Are you ready? Get your motor running. Head out on the highway. And whatever comes our way. Take the world in a loving place. Explode into space. Every metal thunder. Hello, bonjour. Welcome to another edition of Cafe de Rene. I'm your host, James Dunstall, joined once again by the Star of the Show, Mr. Rene Dupree. Rene, bonjour. Bonjour, bonjour tout le monde. Um, today is a very special week because I have a very special guest. Uh, I first saw him when I was a little boy. I was about <laughs> five years old, uh, going to the wrestling shows that my dad promoted. He is a legendary wrestler, and the term underrated gets used a lot in the wrestling business. But this is probably the most underrated uh, professional wrestler in this generation. He is, I believe, five-time All-Asia Tag Team Champion. Am I right, Phil? Yes. Yes, Ed. Uh, a former WWE alumni, former ECW alumni. Uh, he worked all the Canadian territories. He was a star in Mexico. He is the one, the only... Phil Lafon, a.k.a. Dan Crawford. Bonjour, monsieur. Konnichiwa. <laughs> <laughs> How are you today? Good, good. Everything good. Looking forward to this interview there. You were mentioning it. Uh, I thank you for the kind words. Uh, I had yes. a really good conversation with you, Rene, when uh, at Bobby's house the other day. And I yeah. thank you for that. Yeah. Um. So let's talk about your, I mean, your wrestling career expands. I mean, you were in the business, what, over 20 years, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you're from Ontario, or were you born in Montreal? or? No, no, I was born in Ontario. Then we moved to my, my parents are from France. Right. So they, yeah, I'm first generation. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then I uh, grew up in Montreal, did my high school, then, and then pretty much came to uh Alberta, about um, 18 years old. 18? Yeah. And uh, I was listening to one of your interviews, and you said that you got approached, was it by uh, the British Bulldogs when you were working at a gym, right? Yeah, yeah. It was one of the first Gold's Gym in, uh, in the West, Western Canada. We're going back 82 now. Yeah. And uh, sure enough, they came in and all that, and I was uh, – just finished a couple of contests in Montreal. So it was a pretty big boy in 82. The the guys, you know, when a big guy would stand out then, and they came approach me and uh, basically say, hey, would you like to work out at that time? They used to bring the people like football players, hockey players out to the dungeon and yeah. stretch them and make them puke and all that. And so people can go, wow, that wrestling is really tough. Mm -hmm. you know, so they were not error. Yeah. And, so what was your first territory in Canada? Was it working for Stu or did you work yeah, in Montreal? Yeah. Working for Stu? Two, no, working for Stu. The first two years was working for Stu. Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, uh, in all over Alberta, Saskatchewan, BC, you know, so that was a uh, good. And, now that, and had, that would have been 1983, 84? Yeah, right in there, yeah. Started okay. in 82, but we were just doing like high school shows because we were so green, Ben and I. 
So right. we were just doing high school shows, which is, uh, you know, just for local and all that we get. But in 83, I think we started uh, uh, pro. We started so like in now. What year did you go and work the Montreal Territory? That would be, jeez, uh, 85, 86, around there. 85, 86. Because you, yeah. you came and worked for my dad. I, would, I think it was 1989, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I worked for your dad twice, I think. One, oh, did you? One in the, yeah, yeah, one in the 80s and one late. Yeah, I came back twice. I think I worked for your dad. Okay. So, so you're, you're a Japanese crew. I'm big in, in Japanese wrestling, obviously. Um, I love it over there. And your career over there was unreal. What year did you start touring? And that was for Giant Baba, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Uh, I would say 88. 80, uh I think we signed a big contract around 88. And we around lasted. 88. Okay. Yeah. And we lasted. Yeah. I just, it's hard to go back. You know, the, you know, they say I'm supposed to shower once a week and I forget that. So <laughs> it's hard for me, but I, I, I pretty much think, I think we signed our contract with Baba. He's the one that put Doug and I together. Right. And, and I would have to say about, yeah, maybe it could have been earlier. So did he name you too, the Canada Express? Oh yeah, yeah. He named us, and uh, yeah, he was a very honorable man. Uh, I that's remember I when we, huh? Uh, so that's what I hear. Everybody oh, loved Baba. Oh yeah, he was an honorable man. He was uh, solid. He kept his word and all that. You know, I, I actually when I give them my notice to go to WWF with Doug, I actually had a tear in my eye. You know, saying goodbye right? to him. And yeah, he's such a good man. So back then. Um, if you don't mind, what was the standard contract that you would sign with with, with uh, Japanese promotions? Uh, at first, they uh, they were saying we're going to come over six times a year, but it wind up coming eight, nine times a year. And oh, you know, yeah, and longer tours. You know, some tours we would do six weeks, some do tours we would do two weeks, but it was always averaging about 25, 26 weeks a year, if not oh, more. That. Awesome. So, like, you do twenty six year uh, weeks a year there, but on your off time, you were free to work wherever you wanted to work, right? That's right. That's right. We we went a lot of the times to Mexico. We did it. We had a really nice run there, and then we go to Puerto Rico. We did a little bit in the states, not much. Mm, mm. But back then, you didn't have to, right? You, I mean, no. you're busy enough. Yeah, yeah. They kept us busy, you know, and all the traveling caught up to us. So we try to rest a little bit, you know. So right, right, right. So, uh, for the fans uh, watching this who aren't, you know, up to date, um, 1990s All Japan was very well known for their tag team wrestling, right? Correct. And and some of the greatest matches that I still watch to this day are the Canam Express, that was Dan Crawford, which is Phil, and his partner Doug Furness against Kenta Kobashi and Little Kikushi. Now, for those who don't know, Kikushi was like the underdog. He was the the home the home country favorite, but he was like the little underdog, the little David versus Goliath. And Kobashi was the rising superstar. And of course, Doug and uh, and and Phil were like the evil foreigners. But the stories that they would tell and the way the Japanese audience would just be so receptive to those matches just gives you fucking goosebumps. Uh, but. But what the fans uh, and maybe the wrestlers don't know is that you were uh, uh, 
the producer. You were the the man who laid the blueprint for those matches. Yeah, for whatever reason, you know, just learning. I had a good schooling, you know, through, uh, you know, going uh, Stampede Wrestling and through your dad's promotion and the Montreal promotion. So I got to work and I did Puerto Rico. So I got a lot of uh, experience from other territories and somehow I got to uh, glue it together. And that fits best everybody. You know, I used to look at Doug Style and Kabashi. Kabashi is a wonderful worker, one of the best workers I've worked against. And Kakushi, yeah. you're right, very underrated. He was an excellent, excellent worker. So I just you try to use their strengths, you know, more and then and cover up their weaknesses like we all do, you know. So for whatever reason, I had an easy time doing that. Right. So, like, um, I do seminars and stuff, and one name that I always bring up is yours as far as young wrestlers need to watch certain people on TV or watch people on now YouTube and to study. And you're definitely one name that comes up because so many guys that I wrestled <laughs> uh, or had to uh, work with that are now in administration took from you. Some names including uh, Rob Van Dam. Uh, Excellent worker. Yeah. Uh, Dean Malenko, John Laurinaitis, they all took a little bit from Phil Lafon's, uh blueprint of, of putting together a match. <laughs> yeah, that's nice. Yeah, they're both, uh, yeah, worked a lot with Dean and Johnny in uh, Japan. Yeah. Worked with them. And then uh, all of a sudden, I see them, they're, they're like the main guys in WWF. That was uh, weird to see. It was funny to see, you know. Good for right. them. Right. Yeah. But um, uh, let's talk about, uh, you mentioned you went along to the, so what year did you get um, scouted by the WWF? Um, basically, um, I think uh, Doug uh, ran out his contract in Japan. So he went talking to Vince and all that, and I guess promoted us really well and all. And then back in 95, if I'm not mistaken, in 95, uh, Vince, we had a meeting with Vince in New York, and it went really well. We signed a, a three-year deal, you know, almost a million dollars Canadian with the conversion. It was so good then. Right. Yeah, uh, you know, and it was a really good deal. But unfortunately, we had that car accident eight months into our contract, and that was it pretty much for us. Right. So for the fans who don't know, you were uh, traveling with, uh, I believe, uh, Sid was driving the car. Uh, Scorpio was shotgun and you and Doug were in the back? No, I was shotgun and uh, Doug and Scorpio was in the back. Okay. And uh, I guess, was it uh, Sid tried to fix the sunroof because he's so big and accidentally jerked the wheel too hard and flipped the car about 15 times? Yeah, not 15, but uh, I, I don't know. I lost count around three or four, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, you know... In a funny way, I will say that was a blessing in disguise for me, for me, because I was uh, unfortunately in, in the biggest time of my addiction there, you know, so okay. getting cut by WWF made me realize that, hey, I got to pull up my socks and uh, get my life back on the road, you know, because I was uh, going very dangerously, as we know, Renee, how many yes. friends has, yes. are not with us anymore because yes. of uh, the addictions, right? Well, let's talk about that since you mentioned it, because I'm no stranger to addiction and recovery. And um, you were actually a drug counselor for many, many years post-wrestling career, right? 
Yeah, I, uh, I went back to school. Uh, I got my social work diploma, I think around 50, 51. And I stayed in it for about five, six years. I was a registered social worker working in addiction centers and all. And uh, yeah, it was a good experience. I have it. It helped me. Like, you know, I'm going on to 14 years now. So, you know, pretty much uh, it helped me direct my way. So, you know, so. Right. So if you don't mind me asking, like, what was your DOC drug of choice? Was it everything or was it little? Something? Yeah, mine was more. More of everything. More. more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Right. My problem wasn't drinking. My problem was trying to stay sober, you know. Like, ah, yeah. Yeah, you know, one of them things. Yeah, uh, it's like those, those old quotes, I'm drug free, I get my drugs for free. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I hear that. I don't, I don't like cocaine. I just like the way it smells, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you're clean and sober, but like, you want to, when while you're in the WWF, did you fit the schedule? Do you feel like you fit in? Did you enjoy your time there? Um, well, you know, when we were signing the contracts, um, I think I mentioned this to you before. I was always a little gun shy of interviews. And right. in North America, you pretty much promote yourself on, uh, you know, through your interviews and all that. And I told Vince, I says, I'm very bad on interviews. We never get to practice them. We never do them in Japan, you know. And, and he mentioned it. Oh, no, you'll be all right and all that. So we did a couple of interviews, and that went out the window. And they even asked us, can you find a manager? And I had a guy lined up perfect and all that, but uh, he passed on himself. A guy I worked with in Puerto Rico, Bobby Jaggers. I was going to ask him. Yeah, yeah, he he would have been good because he has that fire behind him. He has that passion, you know. And right. Yeah, he can tell a story. He might not be right, but I mean. <laughs> <laughs> what? A wrestler fucking line? No way. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, when you're still with WWF, uh, I believe it was coming to an end, you guys went to ECW. Were you aware? Were you uh, uh, aware that? WWF and ECW were actually working together and Vince actually owned ECW. The yeah, time? they pretty yeah, they pretty much told us it was the farm team. They just oh. wanted us to go down there and get better on our interviews and get some uh, you know, some North American style in there because we're still a little bit stiff for the guys here, you know, just right. getting out of that Japanese style. It was a little bit uh, snugger them days, you know. So just learning oh, oh. the ropes and all that. Phil. Phil, it's it's still pretty freaking snug, yeah. In Japan, like, good. Oh yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. No, I don't mind it at all. Actually, I actually prefer the snug style. But you're right. When you come over to North America after a tour of Japan, uh, guys are running away from you. <laughs> yeah, especially Doug. <laughs> Doug was so, Doug was so strong. Eh? He's like he was actually a uh, real. Uh, uh, what is it the world's strongest man he actually uh was that he won that contest he he beat kazmaier one competition did he really and all that. yeah and, and the powerlifting and he that man was so strong it was incredible and what an athlete man he would do those jumping hurricane ranas man jumping frankensteiners and just hit it perfect perfect timing perfect everything man oh yeah jump up do the splits in the air like seven feet in the air oh yeah he was amazing yeah well um deep down uh you have any good stories that you can tell me like on the podcast about your time in the territories funny stories because uh my good friend uh uh Mauna Kea Mossman Tayokea he he loved you 
And uh, when I was over in all Japan, he was constantly be asking me, where's Phil? Cause he actually wanted to book you back in 2010 for like a, Oh know. yeah. I heard about that. Yeah. With Johnny Smith, I, uh, he, Johnny calls me like about two years later. I haven't talked to him and he goes, Hey Phil, this guy's trying to get in touch. And he gave me uh, Kane's number, but it was like a couple of years late and all that. Yeah. I would have definitely returned. Yeah. Just to do a, you know, press, just to go back you know i love japan and all that so right but a funny story oh my god geez <laughs> <laughs> there. there's so many i don't know which one to pick you know it's like uh you know i like working with your dad when when uh, all the characters were there you know with leo burke sure. and uh cuban assassin jerry yep. morrow you know every day was a funny story you know so right <laughs> You know, just to put one in, in, in place, I would have to uh, think about it. So I don't have really one, but I'll, I'll come up maybe during uh, what we're talking more. How about okay. you? Why don't you share one of yours? I like to hear what your experience, too. Oh, Jesus. Um, well, let's see. I'm married now, so I don't know. 35% <laughs> of my stories. <laughs> I've got a uh, <laughs> side so, so I've got a question, Phil. I've been uh, working my way through ECW shows uh, through '96, and you and Doug's just come to the show and you start a feud with uh, Sabu and RVD. Uh, okay. But round about the round about this time was the night where Shane Douglas got Pitbull Gary Wolf's uh, neck halo and like slammed it to the mat. Was you in the arena that night? Because I was watching it and like the heat they got off the crowd that night was unreal. You talking to when we were in Philadelphia? That's right. Yeah, when Shane Douglas uh, ripped uh, Pitbull uh, Gary Wolf's because uh, uh, he was he had a broken neck at the time and he had the halo and he tugged it and like threw him down to the floor and like <laughs> Douglas was looking to escape that night. Uh, no, I don't think I heard about it. I know what you're talking about, but no, I wasn't around there. You know, you in them days you were so busy. We traveled so much. Soon as your match is done, you you pretty much shower up and go straight to your hotel and all that. And at the beginning, we we're like mid card or down, so we got to leave early and all that. But uh, no, I heard. I know what you're talking about. Mm. Mm. So, Phil, do you ever get the itch to? To return in the wrestling business in any capacity, like more like an administration role, do you think you could do that? Or I, I never put a thought to it, you know, because one of the ways I got to stay sober is to stay out of the limelight, and you know, right. the style, you know, it could it's very addicting, you know, it's you get your drilling so up, and uh, so I try to stay away from wrestling, but now you know, I've been working in bars for over five uh, five years, you know, and I haven't had a drink. So maybe I have the strength, you know, if the opportunity comes up, why, you know, why not take the advantage, you know, something that you, it can't be given to you. You have to earn it. Right. So, yeah. And I definitely, like, I, I help out the local promotions uh, once in a while, just train them and all that, try to pass on what I know, you know, so definitely. Yeah, be definitely. There. Because uh, I feel in this in this generation, this day and age, the finishes of some of the matches just aren't up to par like they could be. And you would be a perfect fit uh, mm. like an uh, agent uh, administration type role as far as putting like all Japan 90s type finishes together. You know what I mean? 
so exciting. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I definitely would try it. You know, I yeah. mean, that's the whole thing about, you know, the day I uh, move on to the, <laughs> to the next life, you know, I hate to say, I wonder if I'd right. rather do it and make a mistake and say, oh, well, at least I tried it. At least you tried. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, um, well, let's talk more about your career in Grand Prix. Like, uh, for the people who don't know, my dad ran seven nights a week. Uh, usually started in the spring, went out right all the way up to um, to autumn. So, did you work the whole the whole loop, the whole the whole season, or my first time? Yeah, my first time. Yeah, I I gained so much experience there; it was incredible. But like you were saying, you would work seven days a week. Then, when we have your t uh, TV tapings, you might work another three to five times then you know so you definitely <laughs> got your experience in you know and, and uh, which was good because you only right. get good by doing it and all that so right yeah with uh that was when uh, new brunswick was on fire you know we we're all making money we're always keeping word the crowds were good you know they were very yeah. responsive good crowds in new brunswick so yeah. i mean pretty much the whole maritimes yeah yeah, that's what is I it like that anymore, Renee? Is it, it, it the territories is down or? Uh, well, see, I I tried a few times. You know, I tried to run it like my dad did, but what happens when there's so many different promotions? You know, so I'm not saying they're good or bad. I'm just saying when it's too much, it, you know, you're dividing the audience, right? Because this crew might have your loyal fans of two or three hundred people, and then this crew has two three hundred people, and then you try to go in and. But I mean, I made an attempt at it. I had uh, Bobby Sharp, our mutual friend, on him. Um, but to me, my best memories in wrestling were as a little kid going to the shows with my dad, right? And we had our own motorhome, so we would travel all over the Maritimes in the motorhome, going to shows every night, watching guys like yourself and, and Rip Rogers and Leo and Cuban and Jerry Morrow and Masachono. So I uh you know, I'd kind of like to bring that back someday, you know? Yeah, that was, uh, you know, I always say I, I'd love, I tried even talking to the guys. I didn't really push it in Edmonton, but you're right about too many promotions in one place. You know, instead of drawing 100, 200 people, maybe have a big show once a year and get all the promotions together and maybe right. draw that 1,000, 2,000 people, you know, and you give everybody an experience of a, a big house, a good payday, you know, that... But I think, you know, that everybody's got egos, so <laughs> egos get in the way, right? You know, it's too bad. It's too bad, but I would love to see at least Phil. one big show a year. Egos in wrestling? No. Come on. <laughs> As you know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm kind of bouncing all over the place here, but uh, how many tours of Japan do you have? Well, actually, I heard it uh, through someone. Uh Actually, Doug might have told me. I don't know. They're saying that we did 56 tournaments. Wow. I don't know where he got that. But through the years, you know, we had a really good run there. So we did back and forth. I remember one time uh, back in early 2000, I flew out on Friday. I wrestled at the Tokyo Dome on Saturday. They, they put me over in the battle oil and right. flew back on Sunday. Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah. So that was, uh, yeah, that was quite the experience. That was the last time I think I, I I went to Japan. So you're living in Calgary. So from Calgary to Tokyo, LA. Yeah, oh, LA, then Tokyo. To LA. Yeah, we saw. Uh, 
So you're yeah. talking a good, what, 14, 15 hours in planes? One yeah, way? easy. Oh. One way, yeah. Oh. That was... Uh... <laughs> well, I've done it quite a few times myself. But tell me, like, when you were in the WWF, uh, you and Doug, what wrestlers do you remember that stood out as far as you were able to work your style and felt the most comfortable with? Um, let me, uh, Al Snow was a pretty yeah. good one. Um, Jenny, Jenny liked that style, you know. I'm trying to think of the hardcore Bobby. Uh, Holly? Bob Holly, yeah. Uh -huh. He liked that kind of style. He liked it snug, you know. There was a couple right. in there that liked it snug, and it worked out really well, but not... Uh, we never really had a chance. We didn't build up. Uh, we used to work a lot with Owen and Davey, which uh, yeah. they know the style too. They've been to Japan more than, you know, and they're pretty good. And yeah. Very easy guys to work with. God bless them. Both of them. Yeah. You know, and they worked well with them. We were doing, um, uh, and we didn't know. Uh, now I know I figured it out. But I remember in Ottawa when we were showing up, I think they wanted us to turn heel, you know, and they're, but uh, we kind of hesitated, and it just turned out. But uh, they wanted uh, Davey and Owen to be babies, and they wanted us to be healed. But we were a baby face, and we were just following the guidelines. We didn't know that we were allowed to do it. We didn't have that uh, experience enough to just do what you th we thought was best. Right. So so we hesitated, yeah. But uh, had some good matches with them. They were, they were a lot of fun to work with. So... With with all your time, especially like in Calgary and Japan, did you uh, spend a lot of time around the Dynamite Kid? Uh, more more Davy Boy Dynamite. You know he's he's special um, <laughs> in the ring. Yeah, in the ring, I, I you know he was probably in the top three in the oh, ring. Yeah. Definitely as a worker, you know, electrifying. I see him bring people on their feet so you know so intense you know but uh he can be um he, he had his own demons yeah he had his own struggles and uh sometimes it came out him and then you know it's too bad he was uh, I, I didn't hang around him very much uh, but uh as a wrestler he was admirable what uh so were you ever uh succumb to some of his ribs that he was famous for oh yeah oh yeah just, <laughs> just you know everybody does you know i think he when he's got nobody to rib he ribs himself so <laughs> <laughs> you know I, you know there are a couple of bad ones you know uh, one time uh he shouldn't be there he's not here you know so it's it, it shouldn't be saying but there's a couple ribs with me um I got stretched by him, you know, once, you know, in front of all the guys it was kind of embarrassing, but I said, all really? right, okay. You know, it's a learning process, right? You know, yeah. he never did it again, but uh, I learned a lesson that night. <laughs> so well, what, do you think it's because he's from the UK and you're, you're from France? No, it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, maybe coming up, you know, just then like you guys or just being right. a bully. He was a, uh, he was a bully. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, so there's no reasoning for it. <laughs> so um, uh, I spent a lot of time around Tenru. Now, was Tenru working in all Japan while you were there, or had he branched off into his, his own promotion, War? No, no, that uh, Tenru's a chop guy, eh? Oh, yeah. He chopped, yeah, he's got the best chop. Uh, no, I got the, he was a good guy. I liked him. And I, oh, his Tenru's matches were great. good. Yeah, he had some unbelievable matches with stan stan yeah. hansen 
Oh, yeah. they were incredible match. No. What about Misawa? Because uh, I'm working for Pro Wrestling Noah now, and Misawa was the founder. Uh, any memories of Misawa? Yeah, very good. I enjoyed working with him. He was a good guy, uh, always solid, very consistent. In the, you know, like sometimes when you travel and all that, your matches go up and down? Yes. From what I remember with Misawa, he was consistent. He was always, he'll give you 100%, and it always... Uh, he was a good guy, good worker, obviously got his matches over, and God bless him, I heard what happened. Oh, yeah. my God. But, you know, it was like, it was one of these things that, are you surprised it happened, you know? Right. These guys were dropping this, you know, it's only a matter of time, you know, how they were dropping each other on their heads, you know, it was like, wow. You know, God. Yeah, that... That 1990s all Japan style was really brutal for uh, dropping guys in the back of their heads and uh, like the Kawada bomb, you know, where he drops you directly on the back of your head and that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, if I'm a, a Mizawa, did he pass on due to a back suplex? Yeah, he took a I think a back drop or a back suplex and he fell on his head and then it, it uh, severed his uh, uh, windpipe. I think if I'm not mistaken. Oh. Yeah, and he died. Do you remember Takayama? Huh? Takayama? Oh, yeah. Takayama's good. Uh, he's a big sumo guy. Takeyama. Um, I know he did. He's very famous for the um, uh, for the MMA fight. Uh, it was Takayama. Oh, and, uh, yeah. I like him. Big guy. Yeah, with... Um, who, did he, who did he fight with? Uh, uh, the mustache. Uh, uh, I know. He, I, I can see his face right yeah, now. I can see his face, but I can't... I got a lot of concussions. That fight was incredible. It looked like a hockey fight. <laughs> right? Right? Yeah, it looked like a hockey helmets, fight. Yeah. Just hold but each same, other and let's go. <laughs> but yeah, he's a paraplegic now. Oh, my. Same, same thing? thing uh, same thing. He did a sunset flip in a match in Japan, and he fell right on his neck, and now he, he he's paralyzed from the neck down. He was a big boy, too. Oh, huge. About 6'6". Six, six. I'd say 300 yeah. easy. Yeah. And great guy. Yeah, good guy. Yeah, very nice Horrible. guy. Yeah. We went to Rapungi a couple of times with him and got drunk and all. <laughs> okay, yeah. well, tell me some Rapungi stories, Phil. Come on. Oh, my God. Well, you know, that's where all the foreigners in that day was. Uh, I don't know how it is now, but Tokyo was on fire then. You know, everybody was there. And Rapungi was just a neighborhood for all foreigners. So you got to. You can just imagine there. One time we walked in, here's one. One time we walked in there, it was a strip bar. But all the women were blonde, blue eyes. So I started talking to them. Everyone was from Vancouver, BC. No. <laughs> yeah, the whole bar. I guess someone came over and, and, and must have scouted them all out. And uh, yeah, they were all there making crazy, crazy money. I mean, it was ridiculous there. Well, in the 90s, uh, Japan had the number one economy in the world. And it was just, oh, yeah. And if you went to Rapungi, you can see why. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah, yeah. It was it was crazy, crazy times. You know, uh, did get in fights sometimes there. You know, and in the bars and all that. And you know, we were scared because we kind of stick out. You know, but we, we, you know, we never got charged or anything. You know, so it can happen so fast. So. Yeah, see, when I went to I went to the strip clubs in Japan, it was usually Russian and Brazilian girls. Yeah, this one here was on the second floor. I'm trying to remember. The, I can't remember the name, but uh, 
no, we were all surprised and all that. And uh, I think I was only pretty much the only Canadian. We had a couple of English guys and mostly American. We had a couple of Mexicans and I think a German. But, okay. Uh, I was the only Canadian guy, so I really appreciated it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Vancouver's a short flight from uh, Edmonton or Calgary, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Speak, speaking of uh, Canada, Phil, Montreal, um, you wrestled Survivor Series 97. That was the night the infamous Montreal Screwjob. Uh, you tagged oh, yeah. with uh, Owen and uh, Bulldog that night, but obviously it's infamously remembered because of the Screwjob. Uh, talk us through it. Like, was there a sense in the attitude of the locker room that something wasn't right? And when it actually happened. What was the reaction? How crazy it was, was it backstage? Yeah. You know, it's funny. I, how I remember that night, you know, it, <laughs> um, no, it was just like everybody, you're right. Um, everybody was kind of awkward, not the same. Uh, I can remember, uh, taker undertaker. He was always really nice and said hello and everything really polite. And for whatever reason, we're, we're going out, Doug and I, and, uh, and say, hey man, how's it going? All that again, and look at me or nine. And then nobody was talking to each other. Nobody, you you knew something up, but we didn't know what, you know. But it was an awkward feeling that I, even after the matches, you know, they pretty much rushed us to go back to the hotel and everything. They wanted us out of there, you know. It was it was really weird. Then I heard what happened and all, and quite the night, quite the night, you know. So you being a fellow Canadian boy, did you and and breaking along well? Yeah, yeah, I got along good with Brett. Yeah, you know, and sometimes, you know, it's like, uh, I'm tired of talking about me. You talk about me now. It gets tiring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Well, no, Phil- Brett's a good guy. I like Brett, and, you know, I think he was good for the business. You know, he did good. I mean, he took care of himself. He's one of the very few ones that left with... Uh, a little bit of uh, money, you know, well, not a little bit, but he, he left with some yeah. money and kept it. And, you know, very few, as you know, Rene, very few of us is, uh, even now today, I say it's not how much you make, it's how much you save, you know, I That's tell it. all the young people that want to listen, you know, so. Uh, a lot of guys, I think what it is, Phil, is that uh, they're not smart enough to like, we're independent contractors. We have to pay, you know, a certain percentage, uh, in taxes more than usual and we have to pay it quarterly and we have to go to a, a, the right accountant not you know an h&r block or joe Smo next door you got to get a certified personal accountant and to do that because you know when you're wrestling for the wwf you're in all 50 states all 10 provinces and multiple countries right and a lot of guys that's how they screw up or they get divorced yeah. <laughs> it happens a lot <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely yeah yeah yeah. No, that's right. No, I, one thing I did like about I always wanted to wrestle for WWF, but one thing I did like we had a two week tour where we went to Africa, we went to Germany, all these places I wanted to go. Uh, the only places I didn't go, I really would have loved to been would have been England and Australia. Them two places I would have loved to at least do one tour. Right. You're not missing much. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's funny. That's funny because you've been to South Africa and I've never been, and uh, I've been to England and Australia and I love it there too. So, oh yeah, I love. Yeah, Australia must have been nice, eh? Oh, dude. Oh, I love Australia. 
How'd you like England? Uh, I can't say much because my co-host is from there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, someone has to do the editing. Remember that, Renee. <laughs> <laughs> no, England, England's okay. England's okay. I mean, the crowd, I love the fans and stuff, you know. The wrestling is very... Um, very good, I hear. There's a, you know, like when you, they got a good foundation when the guys go in. Is that true? Yeah, but unfortunately, I feel like the, the last couple generations are losing that and they're going more towards entertainment American style and they're losing that catch as catch can British uh, world of sports style, you know, and they should keep that because that's what keeps them different. That's, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, no, they have an expression now TV trains, right? You know, they watch it. Uh, yeah, TV. as seen on TV. Yeah. yeah, you know, so I'll go in there and I'll practice it, just do it, right? right. And that's how people get hurt, you know. That, right. That's too bad, you know, that because a lot of them, that's what I liked about when I broke in. Uh, they, I did train for about a year before, right. you know, I can really start off, you know, even though, like we were saying, we're doing local high schools and all that, but we were always, always training and we got a really good foundation. And I think that, that paid off for my career. Right. And it would pay off for anybody's career. Oh, of course. You get in what you put out, you know, you get out what you put in, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Phil, uh, it's been an honor to have you on my show. And I definitely want to have you again someday because I want you to think of more stories that you can tell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I would love to, if I ever go back up to Edmonton, I want to hang out again uh, with our mutual friend on Facebook, Melina. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, no, that that's every. Well, I'll tell you here. Here's a real fast story. Okay. So I show up at Bobby's house and I'm knocking on the door like five minutes. I text and then there's no answer and all that. I go, Ooh. I guess I don't know. So I get my car and I'm going back home. Bobby calls me. I'm halfway back home. He goes, Oh, I was downstairs. I didn't hear you or nothing. I said, Well, geez, uh, we'll do it another time. You know, come back. He goes, Oh, maybe today. And the reason I came back, Renee, because I'll never forget. You remember that ticket I got in front of Bobby's house and you ran out and gave me that $100? Yes. <laughs> so I turned back and came here. <laughs> <laughs> that was very honorable of you. That was very nice. You know, little well, things like that make a difference. I felt guilty because I wanted to hang out with you and you didn't have to come. And then I'm, I feel like I was the reason why you got the ticket. So I had to go and pay it. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. It was a weird night, but it just shows you you're a very uh, a compassionate person. Yes. Well, Phil, thank you so much for doing this, and I'll definitely uh, send the link. I'll, I'm on Facebook, so I know you You can't add people. You can, I can't add you, so please add me. I'd like to keep in contact with you and uh, definitely uh, uh, pick your brain because uh, you're one of the all-time greats, and uh, I want to get the word out just how good you are and why young wrestlers today need to study your work because you you were you were that good. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you. And all right. And also, your co-host and you, I hope you got all the best. I wish you guys all the best. Thank oh, you, Phil. So Thank you so much. We will see each all other right. soon. Okay? Okay. Take you care, Take buddy. care. Bye-bye. Thank you, Bye. Anna.